welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Cinema Demore. I'm your host, Chuck, joined by Justin and Lexi. And we're continuing on our free for all, just picking whatever we feel like. And this week I picked the film Synchronic by the directing duo of Moorhead and Benson. One of the few, I don't, I don't know, I don't know if we've done too many other directing duos other than them, the Coens and Bukowski's Predestination. Yeah, by accident. Yeah. We Bukowski's, never covered them. Yeah. You thought you did Speed Racer. We did Speed Racer. Yeah, mm. you did the Bukowski's. We did V for Vendetta. Yeah, you did two Bukowski's films. Oh, wait, they were only just producers on that, technically, but... That yeah. has been erased from my mind, because that episode's so bad, it might as well not even exist. Pretty rough episode, yeah. I mean, there's not too many directing duos in general, It's that's a, although it, it seems like we're getting that more lately. I know for the longest time that was a Director's Guild thing of they absolutely did not like to do directing teams and took forever for the Coens to even be recognized as a as a directing duo instead of just Joel Cohen and... Joel Cohen directing and Ethan Cohen writing and producing. The Stranger Things guys are like the Duffer brothers. They're, yeah. They get that. Yeah. But I don't think they've done anything outside of Stranger Things, have they? So it's a, yeah, they've they've loosened up. Justin Benson and Aaron Moorhead, they worked on Archive 81, which I did. I never saw them because they were working in like, post-apocalyptic uh, environment and we were working remotely and all kind of stuff. So I, I never actually met them. But when I was looking up their work, they've done a couple television. They've done The Twilight Zone, the remake with uh, Joel McHale and The Octopus, if you've seen that episode. Episodes three and four of my show, they did two episodes of Moon Knight, Moon and Knight. they're doing something on they're Loki. some Loki episodes, I guess. But the reason I bring it up is because they are solely directing on those. But their movies, like this movie that we're discussing, they take a, they wear a lot of hats. They're very much like the Coens. They they both direct, they both produce, and they both edit. And then yeah. Justin writes. Justin writes and Aaron and does Aaron, the cinematography. Yeah, and then it seems 50-50 as to whether they put themselves in their own movies or not. Are they related yeah. or are they um No, like they just met each them. other. Creative partners. They're like yeah. the Daniels. There you go. There's another duo. Yeah. yeah. I really like that. Like my, my best friend growing up, I would do that. Yeah, they were. Well, they actually they didn't even grow up. They literally met each other as interns when they first like they both moved to L.A. and they were both interns at a film studio or a production company. And like they, they that's how they describe it. They were just they went in to have lunch and they were both like met each other. And the one guy was like, I like writing. And the other guy was like, I like shooting things. And then like six months later, they were like, do you want to make movies together? Like it feels more like stepbrothers. Like <laughs> they were just like, do you want to make movies? Are we best friends now? I think so. We might have been able to get them on the show, or at least Justin, because I, when I saw The Endless years ago, I just wrote like, oh yeah, I saw The Endless, and I tagged him in it, because he was a director. Then when he responded, I was like, wait a minute, that's also the main character, and like it was like a legitimate response. It wasn't like a like. I can't remember what he said, but you know, just kind of generic. Thank you. Glad you enjoyed the movie or something. And I was like, wait a minute. That's when I realized like that he did literally like every single thing in that entire movie. And this one. Yeah, they do a lot in their films. I watched. I didn't get a chance to watch their newest film, Something in the Dirt. It's not out. It's not out on physical. It's uh, you can rent it at on like Prime Video and other places. Uh, but I watched their other four films that they had that they've had before that, uh, which is yeah, Resolution, The Endless, Spring, and 
this film synchronic which three of those films are related uh resolution the endless and synchronic uh spring is its own thing and i i did really enjoy that film though anywhere easy to watch them i mean this movie that we're talking about is on netflix i think they were all streaming i i own them all but i think they were all streaming pretty easily i think that i think spring might have been on tubi and yeah i think the endless and and resolution might have both been on prime like they did seem like they were pretty i don't know a single movie you guys are mentioning like i've never heard of any of these i've never heard of these guys before look them up well when i watched the endless it literally knew nothing about these guys it was just on netflix and i didn't even hear any buzz about it i just read the plot and was like okay that sounds interesting and this is a better movie synchronic i think is a better movie but maybe because they have real actors in this and i'm sorry that's like a knock on those guys (laughs) but they're better at like just letting other people like working with other actors than to try to be in it themselves i think i also think like the too many hats thing makes their work suffer a little bit where this like the two movies that i saw the endless and synchronic the science fiction element of it is actually kind of fun and well like thought out but then like the plot will do really basic dumb things like like you have to really you really have to open your mind to the how these people get into these situations i'll get more into it for this movie but i think that's an understatement yeah they get out there with stuff this is a little more i I think this does lean more into the the sci-fi whereas the the endless the endless is sci-fi but it's also more it starts it kind of gets more like cosmic horror and with something like that and the same as resolution yeah resolution and you you should go back definitely go back and watch that because like i i've read that all three movies were oh yeah they're related but resolution and the endless are basically part one and part two of the same story like they have the exact same characters i'll almost i think you'll enjoy endless better if you go back and watch resolution because there's whole chunks of that movie that i'm like you wouldn't even understand this if you didn't watch resolution like it's not just a spiritual they, they were like that's how i saw it described it's like oh it's a spiritual sequel to resolution but it's like it's got the same characters and there's a lot of moments that are are much more interesting if you watch they both play themselves with different last names being the brothers yeah they are the same characters in resolution too that's where they got the idea because they start off in that that little scene that they uh that they watched on the tape that they find at the bottom of the lake Mm -hmm, from the other movie that's the scene that they shoot in resolution where they play themselves and they had they got stuck with like uh, smiling dave is their actual producer and he was the other guy in the background and they're like well dave has to be in it again but he doesn't want to do much so we're just gonna have him wear the same shirt and he's just gonna he's gonna be a goofy guy that like doesn't do anything but uh yeah this synchronic gets more into the the sci-fi aspect than the than the horror mystery uh of it spring's also good i would recommend to go back and watch that that's a monster love story and that's that's a very good movie this movie started out and the 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 one thing i could think is instantly was i like this movie because it's magical and violent (laughs) and i was like that's that's all you need it's magically violent (laughs) we'll get into it and we get into more of the meat of the film but like i don't think the science in this movie is very good like at all i have less problem with the science i'm kind of glad that they have some sort of reasoning for it but i feel like the main character that anthony mackie plays steve he finds out all this information very conveniently yeah he does everything kind of falls in his lap in this movie 
except for, you know, the halfway point. <laughs> and then he starts making decisions. But by that point, like, everything's been so thoroughly explained to him that it wouldn't, like, I mean, I get it, it's a movie, but it was very, um, it's very contrived as to how he f- learns everything. Yeah, it is. I, I know what you're talking about. And I think the, the biggest thing is the, the guy that, like, creates the drug that kind of, like, shows up at his house. And, like, that's kind of the guy that's like, all right, are you ready for some exposition? Because I'm about to drop a lot of exposition on you. Like, like yeah. I'm going I'm to drop, I'm going to drop a lot. I do like that he, he got you know, he gets stabbed and he has to go to the, he gets stabbed with a dirty needle and he gets tested and he finds out he has cancer and they explain his, like, what is it? The pineal gland. Yeah, they explain that. And then that happens to be just the exact thing that works with uh, these yeah. pills that he just happens to be coming across. Why does science fiction always think that your pineal gland is like some kind of like thing that we need to like constantly go into? Like they're always bringing that shit up and like, weird science fiction movies and stuff it probably goes back to like something is like it probably someone like thought that hundreds of years ago like it's yeah. like it probably like was a legitimate thing that like old timey doctors like from the time of like the nick or something like that were like that pineal gland if only we could figure out what it does it'll it'll unlock the secrets to to human medicine i guess i'll cut it out and make the person bleed to death <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I gotta figure out what this thing does. This movie was interesting for me because this is my first time seeing it and I'm not familiar with these directors at all. Um, How long have they been around, by the way? Since like 2012. Uh, Resolution was 2012, yeah. Okay, so they're like only like in like a 10 year span approximately. Within the last couple of years, though, they've been kind of growing. Ramping up, yeah, getting more more jobs, going out more, kind of getting, I would say getting more into like I don't want to say like the Hollywood system. Like obviously they've worked now. They've worked for Marvel. Oh, they are. They've worked for Netflix. They've worked for okay. Paramount. Did the did the Twilight Zone thing? So they're they're getting more into into the mainstream. Obviously this movie they're working with like big name actors for the first time. Yeah, it was just a it was an interesting experience. And I sat down and I started watching this movie, and I didn't stop watching. Like there was no like messing with your phone or whatever. I was there should never be. Never mess with right. your phone while you're watching something. If it's if I if I get to that point, then I'm I'm, not, I'm really not interested because I don't do that very often. It was like it was an interesting viewing experience because I was so interested in the film while I was watching it, and I was interested in like the conclusion and everything. And then the movie ended, and I was like, "Huh, that was actually like not well done, but I really enjoyed it." <laughs> it was it was an interesting like because I just I didn't hate anything i saw i was like oh this is really good but when you start processing it and really like going into it as like this movie is just riddled with issues <laughs> but it works really well and i think the thing that really makes it work well is and I'm, i know you guys have said his name and i'm terrible with names um but the guy who plays captain america now i guess he used to be hawkeye anthony mackie no, no he was the falcon yeah, Falcon, that's what it is. He is a phenomenal actor. And I'm starting to get to a point where I'm like, I'll watch anything that guy's in. He's so good. He's such a good actor. And like, he really knows how to like hold my attention and carry things and stuff. So like, I think I was more drawn into I'm enjoying watching him and watching what he's going through and watching how he's handling things. But a lesser actor in that position, I don't think would have been able to carry this movie as well for me. And I thought really hard about that. Because I was like, if it wasn't for a top tier actor really carrying this plot around, I bet I could have started ripping this movie apart. But I was just lost in it the whole time I watched it, which is nice. I don't I don't always do that, you know. Chuck, do you know if it was written for him? Because the fact that it was in New Orleans makes me think that it was written specifically for him. 
it wasn't because uh, I yeah I watched the like the making of I did for all of their movies to kind of like see a little bit more about what they were doing but uh, I know they said it it wasn't but that's that's why he wanted to be in the movie like I think that was how it was like presented to it was like it was like hey there there's these guys making this sci-fi movie it takes place in New Orleans and he was like oh I, I want to be involved so that's so I guess it like wasn't written for him but that's what made him want to be a part of the film was knowing that it was like his hometown and, and he really enjoyed that but I, I would agree with I would agree with Lexi this this whole movie I think does mostly hinge on you liking Anthony Mackie and like just ca- genuinely caring for him as a character. The roles behind what's happening is fine. Yeah. The way that he goes about testing things, that's kind of what I would have rather had like the whole movie. I would have been okay with the pill just working for him and then having a thing where it doesn't work for someone else. Yeah. I almost do wish it, like it gets to that faster than than it does. Like that's 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 the one thing I'll say like like not that I think the movie has a bad pace, but it does take a while to get to I feel like I love the opening scene of that guy like going out of the hotel room and the and the girl like starts you know, something's happening. She's like getting transported to the Amazon rainforest and uh gets bit by that snake and all of that happens. And then there's like a solid like forty minutes of no sci fi stuff that you're just like but you've been teased with like the you're like, ah, oh, I know the sci fi stuff. I know that I know that's coming. Like but it, yeah, I almost that's the only thing I will say that I, I just wish they would the pace would have like caught up faster or, or like you were saying, like he kind of more stumbles into something like that or, or I didn't even see science fiction when I initially started this. Like I when I started this I saw people taking a drug and I went, this is going to be about ambulance workers who are dealing with a street drug who they've never dealt with before. And they're going to have to figure out like where it's coming from and all that kind of stuff. Right. When it got to the point that it was about time travel, I was like, well, oh, okay. That is not at all in a billion years where I would have thought that this was going in any conceivable way. And it uses this, the whole movie is shot with this filter. That's like almost like the Vaseline on the lens. Like the whole movie's soft. It has this like soft haze over everything that they're doing in the film. And so when you're following around the ambulance people and they're going into these like places, there's always this like dreamlike quality to everything. And because they're dealing with this drug, I figured the dreamlike quality was to add to that sort of drug effect, that sort of feeling that you get, that hazy, like disconnected from reality kind of thing. So I was expecting this movie to go down like the designer drug path or find out that these like trips that people are taking are like hardcore, like trips that maybe there was like an, like more like a supernatural element. But once they drop the time travel stuff into it and uh, it's, that's the part that got me because I'm a huge time travel person. Did you watch Predestination? Yeah. And you don't tell us? <laughs> what? Which one? Predestination. Is that one of these guys' movies? Because I don't think I saw that. No. Mm-mm. But we told you about it. You have to see it. It's another brother's movies. Maybe I did. Maybe I didn't. I, you know what? Sounds like something I saw, but I don't remember. But the thing with time travel is is uh, when you discuss time travel and you go into it, time travel goes back with quantum physics and time Time can be discussed relatively and you can discuss like time travel and those sorts of things, but under no circumstances could you or would you ever be able to get to a point of time travel induced by a chemical reaction within your body. Time travel doesn't ever have to be real as long as they set up the rules. It's the same thing as any other science fiction movie or even like a superhero movie this superhero has these specific powers and they apply to him and then everything else applies to them so like 
I, I can totally buy the designer drug time travel pill, but I think that the movie where the kid makes a time traveling machine or an interdimensional machine with like six Xboxes chained together is a lot more realistic than a drug. And like both of those are absurd. But I feel like a lot more often when you watch time travel stuff that they do lock themselves into like the grounds of like quantum physics and those kinds of things. Well, think about things like Avengers Endgame, right? They talk about the quantum physics of time travel. And it gets really wordy trying to get into that stuff to explain what the hell is happening. And you have a lot of characters asking a lot of questions because, you know, they're trying to catch the audience up. But you know what? They have to get into the time travel. So if, like, if you didn't catch it or you don't understand what the hell they're talking about, too bad. And then you have something like Back to the Future, which is like, all right, it, they just have to hit 88 miles per hour. The computer says where the, what time they're going. They're going. I did think, though, whenever I watched started this movie, though... I thought that when he got stuck with the needle, Anthony Mackie's like very first introduction to the people that have OD'd on this mysterious drug, he gets stuck with a needle when he's like checking their pocket or something like that. I thought the, po I didn't think that it was going to be a, I mean, I, you do see them popping pills, but I thought the needle was going to like somehow infect him with the drug that they had been taking. I kind of thought that too. And that that was going to lead to the, him having similar hallucinations and trying to figure out what the hell was happening to him. <laughs> I, I do think, though, the, MT, the EMTs, for, for being EMTs, they get to every scene very slowly. <laughs> they're always, like, yeah. taking they're, – they're just, like, strolling around with, like – they're, like, slowly walking the gurney to, like, a burn victim. And they're like, oh, this guy, he's, he's not a burn victim. He's a body. And I'm like, yeah, but – if he was a victim, you you know, <laughs> you didn't double time. You didn't hustle to get there to save that guy's life. You're like, too relaxed. The designer drug side of it, the story, um, I've, I've messed around with designer drugs. So I know how that works and I understand the system. And when the guy was explaining it initially, he's like, we have to keep changing the chemicals because every time we make one, they make it illegal and then we switch the chemicals and it does, it changes everything every time they do it, but you don't know it and you just keep buying this shit from head shops and stuff like that. I kind of feel like there was a whole like movie just around that kind of thing that didn't have to have this time travel. And I just, the guy who's making like designer drugs that you would sell in a store, like there's a certain degree of science, but most of those people are kind of like shady, you know, like it's not like a true scientist or what have you. And if he's like created a drug that makes people dis like he it had to have been tested on someone before they even put it out on the market or something like that. Did they not see like a person just disappear? Like well, it only happens to kids, so they, they wouldn't have been testing on kids. That's that's the problem is like the kids buy it. That's the problem with all designer drugs because they're oh, yeah. legal. So you can go into a head shop and buy fucking cocaine and Molly and marijuana and every other kind of thing. And oh no, it's it's a candle. It's a bath salts. It's, you know, they just call it something a little bit different potpourri and they ship things here and there. And then so like, I don't know, I think it would have been more interesting to see the story kind of because it was so violent. This movie is so violent. There's so much like gore, like there's some really great gore effects and all the, the practical is excellent. I did have to say every place that anyone went was always a very violent moment in time, no matter where. I noticed that, yeah. <laughs> and he doesn't really say anything about it when he's doing his testing, but like all the victims have died. Because all these people have died beforehand because they end up in like an extremely deadly situation. Well, I think that's that's where he's like that's what he he kind of like makes that vague comment. Uh, 
Well, after after he's done some of the tests and he he's watching the TV in the bar and it's playing Back to the Future and he's just like he's like that's ridiculous. Why would anyone want to go to the past? And he's like he's like I go to the past, I get arrested in ten minutes or something like that. Like a guy yeah. like me walking around. Like so he does kind of make that point. Every time he went to the past, like somebody tried to murder him. Even when he went back to like I don't know the Ice Age or some shit. Like there was a guy with a spear. Like the only person or like a woolly mammoth, I guess, could have killed him too. Yeah. But well, I think that is like like I feel like that is a that is like a commentary they were trying to make on because I feel like that is something that I don't know people think about. Uh, obviously, there's been yeah how many books and movies written about time travel, and it's almost I I, I don't want to say always. I guess it's probably more like fifty fifty whether time travel is a great thing or time travel is awful, but. I feel like it, they're mostly kind of poking fun at no, like we're we're constantly moving forward. Like you would not want to go backwards. Like you, it doesn't matter what time period you go back to. It was probably worse than the time period you're currently living in. Like people didn't live as long or people were trying to kill each other or people would have tried to kill you based on like, you know, your race or some reason they would have wanted to kill you versus today. I thought that was the most realistic yeah like of all the film i thought that that was the most realistic part of it was the idea that what part well that he would drop into these different time periods and that those people would immediately overreact and just try to kill and i was like that is the most realistic i think that the the guy the ice age guy but he's always transported around people or or wild animals like there there is never a period where he's like has to find like the closest town of clansmen you know a black man dropping in to the past and any time period during like that era would have immediately been attacked especially dressed as well as he was and looking as clean cut as he was but what if nobody was like in a 20 mile radius of the guy like he always dropped around the person well that wouldn't be interesting for a movie now would it you're, you're describing a, a terrible movie <laughs> no it wouldn't be a terrible movie because here's the thing chuck it wouldn't be in real time. It would be like two shots of him like walking around and then he would have found people and the seven minute roll. They would have changed it. Well, I liked that when he sat in the chair because he was on the, the roof of an apartment building that when he went back in time, he like fell yeah, through a tree. He was in a tree. Yeah, I do. I do like that. Oh, that sucks. Because I, I wouldn't have thought of that initially with what he's doing. And then I was like, oh, you would be because if you went back in time, that also explains the guy in the elevator who like falls to his death because like. He was probably like up in the air when he like started and then all of a sudden he's brought to like the desert and then it's like haha i did like there's something on this on the sensor and they just like look down the elevator shaft and see that guy down there i'm, I'm kind of surprised that the person that is figuring this all out is an emt and not a detective there's nobody that cares about it or pieced anything together like him the elevator death completely voids um the, the their theory too because if the guy started his thing at the top of the elevator going down, he moved away from his point. His body wouldn't have transported back, remember? Because if you move away from your fixed point, your body doesn't go back. So the people who are coming back and being found dead are not moving. They're staying in the same spot. Where was his point at? His point was at the top of a building. So he was in an elevator going down. So if he started at the top of the building and then the elevator started the progression down, he would have moved away from his point as soon as the, because his body would have, you know what I'm saying? 
Because he, he fell out of the sky. Yeah, elevators are weird. When he climbs up in the tree, what does he say about making contact? He makes contact kind of close to the spot. I think that's kind of how they... Explain. Yeah, he like touches those branches and the branches like come back or something. So yeah, I get... I think that's kind of like the elevator explanation, I guess. He's close enough because it's just up and down. I don't know. Yeah, maybe maybe because it wasn't side to side. Yeah. Yeah. Once again, I didn't even think about it until we started talking about it. And I was like, wait a minute. I, I don't know. I, I enjoy a lot of different time travel scenarios this one did their films in general remind me a lot of uh shane carruth who does who did primer and upstream yeah. color and primer is one of my favorite time travel movies i don't know if i know that one. Oh, it's pro- it's probably the most realistic time travel movie that's ever been made because the guy that made it was like a physicist and then he decided to make a film about time travel and that was his whole thing it's he sets up probably like the most rules-based version of time travel you can only time travel i think like a week in time you can't go back any further than that because that would be too much and kind of the same way you're the time machine's like a tiny little sleeping bag size thing because you couldn't have anything larger than that but yeah their films remind me a lot of his uh in the time and kind of what they try to go for i've had the same thought yeah I, I wouldn't be surprised if they've seen both of his films and, and if that was like an inspiration for them because he did the same thing, very low budget. But that's where I think they try to do the most with their limited budget. And like that can sometimes, I don't know, maybe hinder some of their other things where they kind of have to, like Justin was saying, like they, they wear a lot of hats and they do a lot of things. So, uh, and I know they also, I think, did, pr- they pretty much do a lot of the special effects themselves too or like work very closely. Like they don't have a, a special effects team a lot of it's like things that they've taught themselves by watching videos on youtube of how to do special effects their practical is excellent i mean the practical yeah. effects in this movie were top tier and um the blood which a big complaint for me is dark arterial blood that they use in film i hate it because blood is red they got their blood color like down pack when they lifted that guy up and he had the wound in his back and it was leaking out the back that was like one of the best looking like stab wounds i've seen in a film like it was really well done she overdosed he got stabbed with a three-foot knife ma'am where's the sword at just tell us what you did with the sword like what what did he get stabbed with i don't know a knife that's like three feet and yeah the way the guy goes so that would be a sword (laughs) that was that what we're saying I do like when he comes back, gets back in the lawn chair that's up on top of that building up in the tree, you know, before he transports back. And Brianna's friends there. And I thought you said she sat there. And it's like, I, I never said that. I don't know. Maybe she wandered off. Yeah. 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 Maybe she wandered away. It's kind of two plots in this movie, if you want to get into them. Yeah. Well, let's get into them. All right. <laughs> it changes halfway through. But the first plot is what is killing these people and why are, are these killings so bizarre which like we talked about it's these emts showing up and they're seeing these unusual deaths and they're the only people that apparently piecing them together because that one detective's not doesn't give a shit no i'll call him the one detective because he's at the cr- same crime scenes i think that's how it's presented too. like like why does nobody care and i think it's i think it's because they all they all have traces of drugs so it's all just looked at as like ah, eh, who cares it's just a bunch of druggies like either killing each other, stabbing each other, or doing something. So I think that's like why it's presented as the cops don't care because they just look at it as uh, it's it's just drugs. It's it's not anything important. So that's why they keep like brushing it off. And that's why uh, Steve Anthony Mackey's character is the only one that really cares. But yeah, he's got to he's got to figure out what's killing these people. Then yeah, halfway through it turns into a turns into a disappearance. 
well half of it is not the intrigue of of the drug until he's he's been like seeing it time and time again and i i literally i guess it's probably on his mind too from getting stabbed and then finding out that he has a tumor in his yeah. head the girl he's hunting for would have been dead as fuck that's plot b that's where everything changes <laughs> like halfway through the movie is that this girl disappears well it's his like best friend's daughter and he knows that it's tied to these he finds out that he's tied to these drugs so that's partially why he's trying to like delve more into what do they do and where could she have gone and all those kind of questions but i think it would have been kind of interesting if they did like the first couple like they found these people and they found the drugs and then she was missing and then that's kind of like where they they went into it because he wouldn't have lasted very long in a lot of the time periods that he ended up in, which... He only had to last seven minutes. Yeah. Well, that's what his thought process was, too. He's like, I only got to last, like, seven minutes on this. So, like, let's just, like, endure. He was sad when he lost his dog. Job. Let's let's walk up to people and be like, hey, hey, you guys. Uh, you won't kill me, will you? I, ask you. <laughs> I don't even know if you speak my language yet, but couple questions to ask you he's like yeah. i'm gonna try this experiment on my dog and i'm just like well that dog's dead that he, yeah, he was like, <laughs> don't, don't. so did doc brown <laughs> well yeah but you know what he's in every movie einstein i mean it wouldn't have been a family movie if the dog like but even marty in back to the future is like you're gonna kill him right don't take something back in time that you're not prepared to lose is uh the lesson that he learns there <laughs> don't t don't take things back if you're not if you're not prepared for them to not come back with you you know what it would have been better if it wasn't his dog if it, it was like a an annoying next door neighbor's dog or something and he's just like took took the an, like little yappy dog that he hates and it's like all right let's this is an experiment we're gonna see how this works with a living being didn't he figure out pretty quickly when he went back in time to the ice age the second time and he brought all the wood with him and everything i'm like clearly you can take things he had to find out if he could take something living with him yeah. and bring it back yeah yeah, because that was that was it the ultimate be thing. Because he knew he could bring back objects, but he didn't know if he could bring back a living thing with him. That would I know what you're saying. Uh, I would have liked for him to have brought back like a person, like a person that mm -hmm. wasn't supposed to get brought back. Like that's where I was. That's where I was wanting something to go. Like like I don't know, like the crazy guy that he's in his house. That, like if he grabbed him, or like the caveman and like pulled him back, and then it's just like it's like okay, so I found this drug. Uh, also, I have a caveman with me. Don't know what to do with him. Brought him back here. Don't know how to put him back in his time. Or like things get fucked up so maybe like the first person comes back as like a mangled body like mess yeah or like it cuts him in half or something like he didn't pull him all the way through or something or like, he didn't realize like the second person he they have to he gives them the drug to see if that will work for them yeah. or something yeah i feel like that's what i was like when we when i watched this movie and i came away from it i was like i know what kind of discussion we're about to have because i was like this is one of those movies where i think we all enjoyed what we saw but we can definitely find ways to fix and improve the film to make it a bit better, a bit more cohesive film. There's just so much possibility. It's a, it's a, that this type of film just has just has so much potential to kind of be anything you want it to be. So it's yeah, it's one of those films that I enjoyed it. But yeah, it's like you know, yeah. Do you want more of the horror element? And it's like, well, he could do this, and like people could be ripped in half. And then it's like, or do you want more of the science element in it? So yeah, it's it's definitely a movie that. There's just so much open for anybody to want, you know, anything else you you would want to see in a film like this. But the scientist should have come back into play at some point when he realized the drug was like a time travel drug. Why didn't he 
reach out to that doctor and like that guy killed himself oh that's right i forgot about that i'm sorry that makes perfect sense then yeah there's a lot of moments like that where it's just because that's that's the where your mind immediately would go to oh well if you know once he figures that out and he knows he needs to get the girl he could find that guy and get more of the pills so that he has unlimited tries to find the girl but then yeah it's like it's like real quick on the radio doctor whatever that guy's name was killed himself today or was found dead that's right yeah 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 or you think he would like try to find that flower and like smoke it or something yeah well like yeah figure out a little bit more about the ingredient look into like once again (laughs) he's not he's not a doctor but he is a medical person he does have have a basic understanding of drugs and stuff where he wouldn't be able to deal with what he's dealing with especially since he's dealing with so many drug addicts so he understands drugs and like countering drugs i like your idea justin of of like okay now i haven't tried snorting it yet let's see what the effects are and it's like snorting it gives me eight minutes instead of seven (laughs) now 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 i'm gonna put it in this spoon i'm gonna light it up and we're gonna see what that goes Yeah, how's it go when you inject it? I smoke it, and I can go back in time, but I can also fly when I'm back in time. (laughs) Yeah, what are what are the what are the other combinations I can I can make with this uh, with this thing that give me different powers? That honestly, that would that would actually be very interesting if like if taking it in a different way, like like gave him some sort of some sort of different ability from the way it went into his system. (laughs) Yeah, he's like in the ice age, and he like burns that guy with firepower. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, the the points of entry into the time periods too it's like literally every spot is a different time travel spot so like he's standing in one spot in his room when he starts his trip and then he's in a swamp but he goes and sits on his couch and he's in the ice age or vice versa but like it it's like that's a weird idea too it's like wherever you physically are standing at this exact moment is going to take you back in time but take you back in time to like god knows when it's kind of like wormholes but like some things made me laugh or i thought it was more of a kind of a joke on their part one of them being the lawn chair on top of that apartment that has the tape on the chair like this is the one spot like oh that chair hasn't been moved like that chair could have been pushed aside (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah what if someone moved it over by a foot yeah then he ends up in a completely different place and that thought should have crossed his mind too when he started all of this was that if you're on the top of an apartment building and you're going back through time, this building wouldn't have existed. Do we even see if his apartment is like level or not? Ever remember seeing the outside of his apartment? Did you remember Chuck? He lived in a house. He had a, he had a house. Yeah. But he could have been on the second floor, right? He was on the first floor where he takes it. Like it might, I mean, the house might have two floors to it, but I know he was on the, the first floor when he, but yeah, it might have been, it might have even been like a porch. I probably didn't pay that close attention to it. That yeah, it might have even been like six feet off the ground or something like that. So then you'd start and you just fall on your face, like, oh. Yeah. You just drop a little bit there. You get attacked by an alligator. Yeah, immediately. He's he's actually playing Jumanji. He doesn't know that. It's a conquistador and an alligator. <laughs> <laughs> actually, there's kind of a crossover with that. Yeah. That guy, the Klansman in his house that he teleported to, that guy's pretty scary where he's just like standing in the doorway with a knife and then he's like, whoa, man, whoa. (laughs) And I thought like there would have been more tension when he's like, we have to get back into that house. And then he just like broke the window loudly and then he's just sitting there with the dog. I thought the dog was going to make it. I thought it was like a tease. Like I like the shot of the dog being too far behind the couch and then when he he's reaching for the leash and he gets the leash, but then he teleports back in the normal time and it, the the camera's in front of the couch and you see the leash like behind the couch. So you're like, did he get the dog or didn't he? 
when he pulls the leash up and it's like ripped off at the end, you kind of feel like, oh no. And then your hopes, like you hear the dog bark for a second. And I'm like, oh shit, maybe the dog's fine. But then he's just like a ghost uh, image. Ghost dog's like, bye. <laughs> As he like gets <laughs> the fades away. <laughs> I'm going to go live with the Klansman now. Bye. I was going to say, yeah, the dog's going to get raised by Klansman now. That was my first thought. It was like, I was like, are they just going to be like, we need to train this dog to take those people out. And it's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I don't think that's what that dog was into. Yeah. They keep trying and the dog just really likes black people. Yeah. <laughs> that's not what we have you here for. We know you came from the future, but still. Yeah. And I like when he, when he transports to the, the other area where it's, it's like the group of guys that seem to be, I don't know, praying or uh, they almost seem like they're trying to summon something. And like, they look at him like, mm-hmm. like, I can't tell if they think like he's a God or, or they think he's like a demon that's been spawned or something like that. I did not understand what was going on in that time period at all. Yeah. That was a weird one. It's just like, it's just like, what, what? I was kind of waiting for like a different reaction for one. I thought that they were going to be like, Oh shit, it worked. And then he disappeared like without them having to chase him. That's almost what I thought. Like, like that they were like praying to a God or like, like I said, like they were trying to like summon something and then, yeah, and then he appears he's like a god for a second and then they're just they all kind of react about like oh no this guy showed up kill him I, th- I don't think the opening of the film would even remotely make you think that you're going into a time travel film like the girl in the bed when she starts her process of hallucination and then the like ancient witch doctor type woman is standing there and then points at her and then the snake crawls up it had this very like voodoo witchcraft quality about it and with the new orleans theming i was like i I thought that there was definitely going to be like high levels of mysticism and that this drug is like accessing you and then and then when the guy is in the elevator and starts his and they show like the desert and the sand i would have never thought that he was falling like i genuinely thought that this drug was causing people to go into some kind of like alternate like their minds were going it was accessing like an alternate like like not necessarily hell but like an alternate dimension of some kind or something where yeah that's what i thought too so like when it does take that shift to the time travel stuff and i start processing like the start of the film i'm like it's fine that you like double cross like i'm okay with the movie like going you think it's this kind of movie but it's this haha but this one like really threw me for a curve i'm like time travel that is not what i thought in a billion years and i'm like how does a drug make you time travel like it doesn't make any sense to me but sure we'll, we'll go with it like i said like the acting is so good in it that i'm just like i'm so won over i actually really enjoyed the beginning of this movie because of that reason that the way that they work the time travel into the plot it is like a hallucination so i dig the idea that these people are taking a drug and their reaction is taking them through time and they just think that they're tripping and like you said the audience thinks that they're tripping too that's a great start to this this movie because the process of the time travel looks exactly like you're going to start tripping like the walls start wiggling and like things start shifting around so it doesn't have like a time like a typical time travel kind of feel like it definitely looks like you're tripping balls Right, it does. It gets really trippy because there's like a tr- like a like the when that woman tri- trips in the beginning of the movie, the first thing she sees is like a tree instead of a television. Like it's been replaced, and you never know. I guess exactly what you're gonna end up like, how you're gonna be brought into that world. 
the elements where like you get the little tease about him falling from the tree when he is in the swamp and he stands on his couch and then the couch like disappears and he falls down into the swamp like the 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 science between the height cuz uh, i guess kind of one thing that we never really get explained is how the doctor that created that like basically how he found out that this is happening to people cuz presumably if everybody died like then you wouldn't know this like somebody had to have survived and told him like like yeah it was like i went back in time or something like that so that's i i almost would have been in, very interested in seeing that too of like like if uh anthony mackie would have gone to like a psych ward or something like that and it's like there's like people in there like it's like all young people in there like people are like oh i was in yeah i was in the rainforest and these people were chasing me or i was in the i was in this thing and i was getting attacked by a t-rex or something like that and they just sound like crazy people but it's like if they could be like holy crap this happened to all these people like they, they did go back and fight dinosaurs or something like that because again presumably people had to have survived this otherwise how would that guy know like he would have just thought that his drug was just killing people otherwise like somebody had to have told him i'm gonna guess that he cut out the middleman or there's some sort of person that he was selling it to directly and those people probably died died or ended up being the like some of the victims or something yeah but if they die how do you know it's time travel like right exactly you, you would just presume again it was like that one guy was just burned like you couldn't figure out that that was time travel you just be like oh that guy was caught on fire somehow like so somebody had to have told him he has to be experimenting like anthony mackie that's why i don't really think he makes a lot of sense but his pineal gland doesn't work yeah. I'm tearing down your your plots. Yeah, exactly. He couldn't take it. He's an adult. He couldn't communicate with his kid that was using it because he's a kid and he found out what his well, dad Well, but that's what I'm saying. Somebody survived. Well, you didn't tear down my idea of him being I'm able tearing to... down your ideas. <laughs> I'm saying he couldn't have figured out. I'm saying he I don't think he would have figured it out on his own like somebody had to have told him. Like it wasn't and I don't know that it was I don't even feel like it was his experimenting because, again, he just seems like kind of a shady guy. I'm going to say that somebody just told him because if it was him finding out some way, that would have been the movie. People who make designer drugs don't typically fuck with their product. They know what they're making. They know what they're working with. That's why I said their clientele disappeared like the clientele's dying. He's not the distributor he's just the doctor so he's just the guy in the lab creating the product he just sends it out to all these shops i understand that i'm saying other people would be sending that to no most people understand that but what i'm saying is to chuck's point <laughs> how would this guy even know like he has to have given the drug to some person that he knows to start being like well what the hell's going on with that very specific drug that i make the answer is it's a giant plot hole that they didn't deal with. This movie could use actually like, you know how I always complaining movies are too long. This movie's too short. It could have spent more time with the doctor. We could have spent more time with some aspects of the experimentation. There could have been no, no doctor cut that guy out. Gone. We, they, they do cut that guy out. He's pretty much gone instantly. They don't need more time. They need to use their time better. They need to explain things a bit better. There needs to be a bit more depth, a bit more understanding of like the doctor and like what he's doing. I could have no done doctor. more time with Cut that. The doctor out. You're obsessed with the doctor. I'm obsessed with wanting things to be explained to me better because time travel doesn't work by taking a fucking drug, especially a street drug. What are you talking about? Time travel's not even real. You don't what know are you that. Talking about they did send an atom or something back in time one second or something. They say. So I guess it is possible. <laughs> the brief history guy. 
he believed in it. Stephen Hawking. Stephen Hawking. Yeah, he said some, he said team travel was very possible. He just kind of was like, you shouldn't do it. Yeah, and then he sat around and never did anything. So Chuck. Chuck. And <laughs> his last years on Earth, he spent every en- ounce of his energy trying to get people to stop trying to make AI systems. He was like, please, like this is going to fucking kill us if we make AI systems. And they're like, no, we're going to make AI systems. It's like, all right. And then some asshole makes one and calls it Skynet. It's like, fuck off. Like, I was about to say, if it, I mean, if James Cameron already didn't make people not want AIs, I don't think Stephen Hawking was going to convince him that AI was bad. It doesn't matter. We have scientific things like Jurassic Park where I keep seeing like, well, they could probably bring dinosaurs back if they wanted to. <laughs> and it's like, you didn't see any of the movies that Spielberg made. You don't think that it might be a bad idea to do that? I think if there's one thing we learned, it's that nobody... Uh... Nobody will ever not try any of these things. Uh, although I do, I do, I think it's one of the more interesting things to think of is specifically related to time travel. That's what everyone always says is that time travel can can't be possible because if it was, we'd have already like somebody would have already come back and and told us or something like that. Unless they make some super, which I guess would probably be a, a good answer, is make some sort of way that people don't remember i guess maybe that's it their time travelers are coming back and then they're flashing us like the men in black and we're just not remembering that they came back there's that possibility or there's the the fact that they express repeatedly that going back in time and then messing with or interacting with yourself time continuum you can't screw with it you can't if you if you make too big of a change you basically collapse time on itself maybe we have enough common sense to just kind of be like we just don't do that, and that's why we oh, don't. We because don't have we know. sense. I know that. I'm just giving humans a little bit of benefit of the doubt. Don't they don't deserve it? I like to think like that. The, the far future humans are doing much better than us, but no, yeah. they aren't. They're not. They're all living in a crater underground. <laughs> yeah, they're turned into mole people. Yeah, because we killed them. Well, it's not like we're gonna have a sun for much longer, so. <laughs> None of it matters. They'll actually be the beneath the planet of the eight people. <laughs> They'll be like yeah. worshiping the atomic bomb. Saul of the Molemen. That would that would have been another interesting part of this film is like if sometimes it like sends him to the future and then it's like super weird. Like uh, I would have even been interested in that too about like about like sending him somewhere and then it's like whoa what the hell's with this guy? Like why is he dressed like someone from the early two thousands? <laughs> it's like whoa what year is this? He goes two hundred years in the future and they're dressed exactly the same and they don't realize (laughs) it's just because the fashion came back around yeah yeah nothing he just sees a calendar that's like 2054 and he's like what everyone's still driving cars that would actually be a really funny scene to be to go into the future and you look outside like oh what's the future look like and it's it's just a bunch of more cars just driving around (laughs) like gas power they're not even electrics they're still using gas Look at like the old school, like atomic age stuff and like the early, early science fiction. And they were like the year 2000, they're going to be living in flying cars. They're all going to live in flying saucers that sit above the clouds and the Jetsons and Hmm. shit like that. And you're just like, we live in basically like 1980s with like cell phones. Like there's not a whole lot of variety between like that time period and now other than food sucks more. Maybe you just reminded me of uh something something I saw someone post that was uh it was I don't know if there's any truer words than this line from the Matrix and it was the uh when he talks about how the Matrix was modeled after the year nineteen ninety nine because that was the peak of human civilization and the guy was just like that's fact 
1999 was yeah. the peak of human civilization. I don't think we'll really ever was. get there again. I mean, 99 was a good time, man. I like 99. <laughs> yeah, that's that's where you should have gone back to that. that yeah, I would. I've I, gone back to that before with the Matrix thing. I've like not to cut you off, but like I think about that all the time. I'm like that part in the Matrix, and they're like, "This is the peak of." I'm like, yeah kind of is i'm like i totally get why they would have picked that i mean it was just supposed to be like current so that was the whole thought process yeah. but it's like that is the thought process behind i know it's so it's so funny because it's just like ironically like you're not that far off so maybe the wakowskis had that drug and they were like oh okay they were like yep that's gonna be it but they still progress the time in the matrix to more modern times and then uh, the future was even farther ahead I'm talking yeah. about the plot of Matrix Resurrections. Yeah. I like that movie. I liked it too. I like that movie a lot, actually. I thought it was really well done. I have to say, it made me laugh on a personal level when, I know they're talking about, uh, when Anthony Mackie reveals to Jamie Dorden that he has a brain tumor, and he makes a line about, oh, I was going to say something about your hair, because he has been wearing a hat the whole time, <laughs> and... The very first movie that I worked on, Anthony Mackie was on it, and they gave him an expensive haircut and put a hat on his head. So, like, it just it came full circle for me, and it brought me right back to that exact moment. You always think about Anthony Mackie and his expensive haircuts. Yeah. And then you're like, and then they put a hat on it. I couldn't even see his hair in the movie. Yep, and the same thing happened all over again. <laughs> you had to know the ending was pretty predictable when he's like telling his friend, he's like, I'm going to go get her. I'm like, he's going to get stuck. There's no question about it. Like that's how this movie's coming to an end, but I sure felt bad for him, but he might not be stuck. Yeah. I don't get that part either. Like that's more something that we could have like used more explanation with, but also how are you going to get it? The ambiguous ending was fine. Fine. Well, like what what causes that displacement and what is the displacement and if he stands there like you don't need to know that can he communicate with people in that time period or well if you want to go talk to your friend do you go to this like spot in the park and you sit there and, like chat with them or like you know i did like the styrofoam rock uh there's a point where he sat on it and it moved very unnaturally <laughs> and i was like oh man that rock's not really there that's not uh, when rock. he first looked at uh brianna and she was sitting on that rock at first, I thought it was going to be, like, something only he could see. I didn't think that it was going to be, like, that guy's daughter on a rock. Where he's, like, he starts talking about her. And I thought it was going to be kind of the drug in him or something. And it was going to be, like, it follows. Like, he's going to be, like, what about that person on the rock? What person on a rock? But it was <laughs> it was actually her. I thought that the ambiguousness of the time periods that he ends up with is intriguing. But... There are a couple of them where you're just like, like that scene that we were talking about earlier where he shows up and there's like the group of black gentlemen that are having some sort of like ritual and then they all just start pointing at him and yelling. I was like, I have no idea what time period that's supposed to be or what they're supposed to be or anything that's going on in this exact moment. That was a very disconnected moment. I I think like maybe picking more understandable like time periods or things like that that would have been visually like oh i know where they are like and i didn't mind like the surprise when the key conquistador showed up i thought that was very well handled but then there are some of them where they're just too ambiguous i mean there's got to be something that's right on the nose like the clansman and there's gonna be somebody watching this movie that has no idea what that is they're gonna be like well, who are these people one thing that i th- i thought maybe maybe this is just me who thought this 
whatever spot you're standing in and you go back in time to, it's not a, it's not like I would be standing here and I would go back in time and I would end up in like London 1888 or something like that. Like I would be in whatever was going on in this exact spot. So I would be in like Colorado right now. And then I'd just be in Colorado 1888, right? No. It would still be the same. <clears throat> whatever happened in this spot at that time period would be what's... That's what you're thinking? That's what I thought when I was watching it. So No, can't be because the first guy was seeing like a desert. I think in one of the things he talks about, like, because uh, the continents shift, you're just in like an actual geographic like oh, point okay. on earth but it's like i, I yeah like, and i think it is like very vague but it's like but it's not like it's not like you'd necessarily be but if you went if you went like two million years in the past and the continents maybe were shifted then you'd be somewhere else like you but you'd still technically be in the same like if you dropped a pin on a map it would be funny instead of him moving with the continent if he went back that far and it was just ocean like there like there was no land around at all i think it's like brought up it might be like one of his like kind of like random like throwaway lines when he's talking about experimenting about like about like you could just like drop somewhere like could just be like no land around or something but yeah but so where does he end up in the end of the film is my question because when he ends up in the area full of white supremacists, I'm like, Southern United States, sometime around the Confederacy, can totally figure this one out, all makes visual sense, all works for me. I'm not familiar with a lot of like older American history and a lot of older American history wars, but like, what war or what battle was going on in uh, New Orleans at that time period that he ended up in that there was also a woman with a... Uh, who was calling him a slave. That's so, a woman. That's a guy. Was it a guy? Yeah. Yeah. I thought that was a woman. No. That's just a French man. Uh, they, they, The French man seems like a woman, yes. So were they French? Was it like a, a French Revolution type battle type thing going on? Because I know that there's a lot Probably. of... There are a lot of French people in Louisiana. So that would make sense to me in that regard. I think it's the War of 1812. There's a, an actual Battle of New Orleans that took place in 1815. Okay, because that kind of would have been neat to know, like a little bit, because you could you could potentially do this film and like dump real real hard pieces of like Louis, uh, you know, Orleans history in throughout the film. I like Steve not knowing where he was going. Like his very first place he goes, he marks it as swamp. Yeah, he doesn't know what time it is. It's just like, yeah, that's the swamp. That's the conquistador swamp thing. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> and then this is uh, this is caveman time. That's like around the 1600s. So it would have to be, wouldn't this it? This was the mammoth one. Yeah, because the conquistadors they like started out in Florida. He went to the Ice Age twice, and when he went to the Ice Age, that guy was closer, so he didn't hit the exact same time. I don't think. How much time did it take him to light the wood when he took it with him? To the Especially in the Ice Age, that would have been like almost impossible. But uh, no. He goes back for seven minutes, and as long as he's in his fixed point, he'll get back. But he does spend seven minutes in that time period, and then when he's back in his reality, seven minutes would have gone by. This girl is gone for days, trapped in this 1800s era. It's a woman who would have dropped on a battlefield. I'm like, she would have been killed and raped and like put into like some kind of slavery or something like that no she's just been laying with the corpses and probably cannibalism to stay alive or something yeah that's that's the un that's the unknown part that we didn't get was that she's been eating the bodies she comes back with a taste for human flesh and she's wearing a red coat 
Well, yeah, she's got one of their coats, too. It'd actually be really funny if when he first saw her, she was eating a person, and he was like, whoa. Wasn't that a British soldier's jacket, too? Like, Because a red coat is a British soldier, for at least in that time period. Yeah, possibly. Maybe that's the coat that she was wearing when she went back in time. I'm sure it was not. So, yeah, I don't know what she was doing to just survive while chilling there for the better part of, like, what seemed like a week she was gone. Yeah. Because they're all going, because his friend's losing his mind and his marriage is falling apart and, like, all these things are having time. I took it as it was just a couple days, but I did lose track of time. It is kind of, like, vague on, like, how, yeah, how long it takes place. It's a couple weeks. He says it's a couple weeks since he found out that he had a... the brain tumor and the girl was missing at that point, but she could have been missing from like two days prior. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's a little vague. It's not a tumor. <laughs> yeah. What's the best time travel movie ever made? I guess Chuck said what his favorite was. Yeah. I think primer is one of the best. Did you agree with him? I do like primer. I like the approach to primer. Like Chuck said, they try to ground it as much as possible for something that, yeah, they just take it a different approach to it than, what most things are kind of like the time machine or some based off of the time machine in some sort of way where some device takes them to, you know, whatever the hell that they have to. Well, the time machine, I guess, works kind of like this plot does but a little bit where it happens. It's going to say it works the same way. Wherever that machine is sitting, you're just kind of that's a fixed position for you. Well, even beginning of Back to the Future wasn't going to be a car. It was going to be like a refrigerator or something. So time travels that i do like i really do like the jacket i haven't watched it in a while but adrian Brody, he's in a, like an insane asylum that was a hard movie for me they keep putting him in a um like a little chamber and he thinks he's going back in time and that's kind of the fun is like because he, instead of drugs it's his mental state so is yeah. he actually going back in time or is he just fucking insane uh i i think that's a that's a decent one that tackles it differently. Twelve Monkeys is a great one. Twelve Monkeys is excellent. I actually really like Butterfly Effect, but I don't know if I would necessarily call that. It's got time travel elements, but then it also has chaos theory elements, so it kind of yeah. It's it's. I think it's time travel. It shifts back and forth. I think it's a really solid movie. I was really impressed with it. I'd call it a time travel movie. That's yeah, fair. I enjoyed that one a lot. I haven't watched it in a long time, but yeah, it is time travel because he goes to different periods of time. Yeah, in his life. Yeah, he tries to fix, and every time he tries to fix, he fucks everything up. He keeps ruining it. Yeah, which is the perfect plot. It's a good example of like. A don't fuck with time kind of thing yeah that's like it's like the epitome of like the yeah very much like the argument of maybe just go back and kill hitler and then it's like he goes back and he's like oh god i made it even worse like somehow somehow that made it even worse to come back well maybe if i just go back and redo this thing oh god I've, i'm continuously making it worse yeah that simpsons treehouse of horror i think it's the same one with the shining <laughs> yeah the toaster yeah where they're like don't destroy anything you'll vastly change time and then he falls on the butterfly yeah he goes back in time and falls on the bug <laughs> he's like oh <laughs> and then he just keeps doing it and then he goes back and kills everything and then they're all eating with their tongues and he's like close enough to whatever well you remember the world before that was it rains donuts yeah and he was like do you guys have donuts and they're like what's a donut and then he's like ah and he goes back in time and then his donuts start falling yeah. it's kind of like oh it's raining again <laughs> yeah is that your favorite time travel movie the one segment of uh, of the, the simpsons of terror it's a good one uh i like butterfly effect uh i was always a back to the future fan but i don't think it's 
a good time travel movie. I think it has a lot of problems, but it's just a good movie. There's always that spectrum of is it fun, entertaining, but not really into the, like the the actual time travel, or is it super into the time travel and yeah, it doesn't have as much like the fun, entertaining parts. It's like there's two types of tra- time travel movies. Ones for kids that are family fun, and then these like adult ones that are like super serious and like mired and all this like don't mess with time, don't fuck with this, don't do that kind of thing. But then the kids' movies are kind of like, just go do your own thing. So it's like, we teach kids at a young age. <laughs> so so we teach, like like that stupid movie, Clock Stoppers, like shit like that. It's just like, come on. The one, I don't remember the name of the one that I'm talking about, but are you guys familiar with that one that I was talking about with the, um, the kids who string like four Xboxes together and start like using it like as a time travel device? Like it was all done in a like found footage kind of way like the kids it's all from the kids video i know what you're talking about project alpha maybe or something like that it has project in the name i remember watching it because it's like it is very much like yeah the teen version of like they go back in time and go to coachella or something like that and it's like then they yeah they start like messing with each other and like playing pranks but then it's like the kids keep like running into their past selves and it starts like ruining their lives i remember thinking that was a pretty solid time travel movie Especially like with the horror elements, it gets way out of hand. Like things get terrible in that film, but it's a good example of don't fuck with time kind of thing. Again, I I think the most important part that every time travel movie that anybody should ever take away from it is just don't, just don't fuck with it. Don't. It's so bad because even like look at something like Switch, which uh, technically it's not a time travel movie but because of the results of his actions. It ends up kind of almost being a time travel movie because he deletes his whole life by fast forwarding switched yeah isn't it switched with the the magic remote click 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 same shit switched is like the jason bateman yeah 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 yeah. i thought maybe that was like that was like the canadian like they retitled click switch in canada or something like you were giving me that switched is that 80s movie where the guy turns into a girl isn't it he wakes up and he's a woman he dies in a hot tub and then wakes up he's a woman you're screwing up hot tub time machine and freaky friday i think no no, no. hot tub time machine excellent time travel movie but the sequel is terrible or dr jekyll and miss hyde there's like a million movies that have that plot (laughs) yeah exactly we should do a month of time travel movies We, we did bill and ted that's a great time travel movie yeah we've we've talked about that that is a good one that's an interesting one though because like it starts out as a time travel movie, but like when you get into the second and third one, they kind of more become deeper existential films and they're less about time travel, which is really weird. Well, the second one, yeah, the second one's all about death. That's such a great movie. That's my favorite one. There's some interesting ideas. I've seen ones where they've talked about like Arrival being a time travel movie since that one goes with the whole idea of of you know time just always happening at the same time and characters you know point of views going through time and seeing themselves in the future and the past and just experiencing time all at once groundhog day also basically a time travel movie is that a time travel movie or is that a paradox film where you're kind of caught in a loop time travel is a paradox yeah yeah loopers also described as a time travel movie which it essentially is yeah just going in loops of time yeah so basically time cops I mean, at least this movie, they tried to give us something a little bit different. Yeah. Time travel is one of those things that it's hard to come up with a new idea because it's been done so many times and in so many different ways. Uh, I mean, Doctor Who is a Time Lord, so that's that's an entire show that's been running since the 60s about a guy traveling through time. I feel like this is one of those cases of they, they did the drug thing because it was like, what's like the only thing that someone hasn't tried to do is like a way for people to travel through time, like taking a drug it's like roll with that it's hard to come up with an idea that 
yeah, that hasn't been done is like a car. Or you get, sorry, Lexi, Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban. Their time travel's done by magic. Yeah, yeah, magical, a magical watch. I hated that one. That's the best one. And no, it's not. The, the fourth one's the best one. It's a good example of time travel done differently. It's not really. I've seen that done before. There's a lot of like movies Give that... Give me another time travel done with magic. Specifically magic? Man, you're like, I can't off the top of my head. <laughs> They're definitely out there. I can't even. There are so many movies that I've seen plenty of wizards and shit do that stuff. Merlin shit, all that kind of thing. I, I, I've seen that kind of done before. Call me weird on this. I think that this idea in the hands of Cronenberg would be a better film. We could say that about a lot of ideas. Brandon or David? Both. I, I would be interested. I'm, That's a good point. I was going to say both. Yeah. We're talking about time travel. I'm going just purely based off of the, the name of the title and the very few things I've seen, but his new movie is called Infinity Pool, so... Maybe that's got some some time elements to it. It's, it's dealing with infinity. No, yeah, and murder. So it's well, right there's always there's always murder there. He's <laughs> always got murder going. The trailer looks good, but it doesn't look like it has anything to do with time travel. Who knows? He's only done two other movies, but this one does by far look like the strangest of the three. It looks like it's going the most out there, but I'm excited for it. I don't know if he can beat his dad. I still never saw his first one with that kid from Get Out. Uh, yeah, I was thinking it was Banshee from X Men. Yeah, Banshee. Yeah. His crimes of the future was fucking weird. So I don't know if his son can top how weird his dad is. He can certainly try, though. He's definitely trying. You saw Possessor? I didn't see Possessor. I thought you did. Wait, yes, I did. When you said that, I was thinking of Neil Blomkamp's movie that we all haven't seen. It's just called Demonic. Yeah. Yeah, it's like a terrible title. That's why we all made fun of it. Is time travel more interesting than interdimensional travel? I know that it's more interesting than interdimensional. I guess there's you run into more rules with time travel. Like time travel has to be an actual real place in time unless you're doing traveling to the future. Whereas interdimensional is just whatever you say, oh, this is another dimension and it it's, it gets like the multiverse of madness. Like this is a dimension where everyone's made of paint. Like right, there's just it's there's no rules to it. You can say anything's an alternate dimensions. Or you could have something like sliders, where just different actions and different points of time changed everything. It's like Fringe. They always took the scientifical approach to why these timelines were different. I really like sliders. That was one of my favorite shows growing up. Yeah, I love Jerry O'Connell. Man, I would watch anything with him. Scream too. Is he in that one? I'll watch it. Yeah, he sings that song from the Partridge family. I was disappointed that he didn't get to do that Monsters TV show reboot that they were going to have him play Herman in. That's because they knew Rob Zombie's movie was coming out and they didn't want to compete with that. They knew that was coming. They knew that was 20 years in the future and they were like, you know what? Rob Zombie's going to do it better in 20 years on Netflix. We'll We'll just let him have this one. Brandon Fraser, perfect casting for Herman Munster. Moorhead and Benson, though, I, I'm kind of glad that they're taking off a little bit, but still being able to come back and do these movies. I haven't seen something in the dirt. The title, me and Chuck talked about this outside of the podcast. Something in the dirt is the title. Not like we can't think of like, it's something in the dirt. Yeah, it sounds like it sounds like a vague uh Sounds like a vague thing. I know that's. I know it's another one where they're the they're the two stars, but I think it was more out of necessity of they couldn't they they were filming it during like more pandemic lockdown stuff. So it was they filmed it mostly in their house because they couldn't. It was just easier for them to do that than like try to like film film an actual movie and like travel to locations on a on a low budget. It's nice that they haven't gotten sucked too much into like corporate directing or studio yeah. directing. I guess. 
because they're gonna get eaten up. They're gonna they're gonna do uh, a Marvel movie or something, and then oh, I have a feeling I think that's all they're gonna I, be doing. I can't remember. I feel like they were, or there's at least been like discussions about them doing an actual film, but I don't know what what it would be or what they've oh, got yeah. lined up. But yeah, I get I get worried because it's. I mean, already, even with their TV stuff, like they did a couple episodes of Moon Knight, and like I thought, I, I liked Moon Knight. I thought it, I didn't think it was anything great. I wouldn't put it as like the best thing Marvel's done, but it wasn't the, the gay worst. superhero. It was just somewhere in the middle. But the, I, I feel like the thing that is disappointing for me is I couldn't tell you which episodes they directed because, again, like you were saying, that's that you're, you kind of get sucked into, you have to just still be in that Marvel mold of, you you hired these two great directors who do all this like super unique and interesting things, but I couldn't have even told you which episodes they specifically directed because they yeah. probably just felt like the rest of the episodes because they again they're you're pushed into this mold of oh Moon Knight has to be this yeah. and even if you like doing that stuff you can't do different. I couldn't tell you which episodes Robert Rodriguez directed of any of the Star Wars shit either. They all feel the same. I have a different kind of disappointment, which is. If they end up doing the movies and maybe they'll be the like also writing their Marvel movie. So let's say that they get any superhero. It doesn't really matter. I don't have to give an example. And now they're doing like a trilogy of that superhero movie. Even if they are that character, even if they are writing and directing and all that, now they're doing this known property adaptation. And now they've stopped doing their weird, smaller sci-fi movies that are the least interesting yeah i think if you want to make superhero movies and have more of your own individualized input on them you go work with dc you don't work with marvel because marvel's got such a stringent plan with everything and they can't they can't veer from their path anymore they're too committed to it but dc's in this like weird middle ground right now where they're really willing to try crazy interesting things and they're reformatting everything and starting over and James Gunn being there, James Gunn's going to give like a lot more creative control to directors because he's that kind of director. There's very few of those Marvel movies that you can really feel any director's input. And I would, yeah, I would say James Gunn's Guardians films are one of the few that you definitely know. It's like, oh yeah, that's, that's a James Gunn film and his Suicide Squad For is sure. the same way that you're like, oh yeah, it's, that's a, that's not just a Marvel or a DC movie. That's a James Gunn movie. And I think they've, yeah, Marvel's been doing that weird thing where they keep hiring these strange independent directors to work on things and they don't do anything or become it. I feel like the only one that seems to have actually worked out was John Watts with like the Spider-Man films. Like he's the only one that his at least kind of seem like they have somewhat of a different identity to themselves and i guess the tika watiki stuff does but even that like wore off by like the second thor movie that he did that was just like oh so yeah. he's only going to do the one thing with thor and it's not that interesting the second time he does it like right right so he got he kind of even like let down on that but yeah it's I, I i hope that if they do a movie i don't know i, I can't think of a i'm trying to like think of a character that would that would fit into like what they like to do, which is again, like kind of this sci-fi cosmic horror, but we've already had Dr. Strange, which someone else has already been working on. And we've had Sam Raimi's version. So I don't know what character they could do. They would be really good with Mr. Miracle, but Mr. Miracle is a DC character, not a Marvel character. I don't know if you're familiar with Mr. Miracle. He's essentially like an escape artist. Like he's like a magician, but also like his powers, he can escape from like anything at all. That's why he's called Mr. Miracle. But then he dies a bunch. And like, 
there's a whole bunch of life and death and rebirth shit with him. He's a really complicated character, but the right director in their hands, he could be fucking amazing. I'm sure they'll make a they can make a good movie out of whatever they have. I'm just saying that I I don't think that they should stop doing these smaller movies that they're kind of yeah. like doing very low budget. And it should be like this: like, okay, here's who you get to make a Marvel movie, and then after you make this Marvel movie, maybe you make like another Marvel movie. But then after that, if you make two of them, then we'll like pay for you to make like one of your independent films and give you a chance to put yourself back out there individually, kind of thing. And then if you want to come back and do more Marvel movies, you can like more like a, you know, that kind of agreement, like but it's, the system just eats people. So it doesn't really work that way. <laughs> that would be, you know, caring about people and giving them an opportunity to grow. Yeah. I mean, I guess theorizing about what superhero movie that these people would do doesn't really interest me all that much. But I do think of what they have directed or are directing that like second season of Loki, like Loki's a good fit for them, I think. Probably better than Moon Knight, but Moon Knight does have that kind of strange, like, how's it connected? What's happening to this guy? Where, Like, why is he here? Why is he there? And uh, their approach to that, even though it's not, well, I guess there is kind of a transportation with the the, the ancient character or whatever he has, but it's it's similar. Yeah. If not, the, you know, it's not exactly the same, but similar. Give them a TV show. They seem like they do well with TV. Give them some time to flesh out their ideas. I, I could actually see them cutting some sort of deal, especially since Netflix lost Mike Flanagan to... Well, I guess Netflix is making a lot, cutting a lot of corners, but <laughs> I'd say, like, hey, they're probably going to look for somebody else. Like, you got an idea? You got an idea? Hey, these guys, they can make some cheap stuff. Yeah. You got any cheap ideas out there? Seems like that's what everyone... It's like, it, it's... I don't know. We're... It, it's so weird to get into, I don't know, the, the kind of business that you're running into, especially with all these streaming services that now everyone's canceling everything. And it's kind of everyone, everyone seems to be hitting a crater of nobody has, nobody either wants to spend the money or everyone's trying to like write everything off and just be like, oh, it was just a failure. Don't even release it. Like we're getting, we're getting entire shows that aren't releasing. Like they're just going to sit on this footage of an entire season of a show and just never release it or whole movies that they're never that they're never putting out anymore. So or we're going to cut to ties, but you're never going to be able to watch it anywhere else besides here. So some of the cruelest shit is seeing some of these TV shows have their final seasons completely finished and then them just be like, oh, yeah, we're not even going to put that out like like that Infinity Train and all that kind of stuff like they're just like jerking these people around it's like if, if you have yeah yeah snowpiercer isn't getting its last season if it's already shot and in the can why are you wasting it like it's the same with the, the the batwoman movie and all these things it's like you have entire seasons of, of television and and movies sitting in a can well i think it's a little bit different now because they don't syndicate things anymore so it's not like no. they're trying to reach a certain amount of episodes that get aired there's not like a future profitability to it yeah right which also gives you such short run television and, and film, which is not okay sometimes, but sometimes you want something that's like a little bit more grand and it's like scale. 10 seasons of Adventure Time was totally fine for me. We're getting like back to the uh, like how they used to do 
all the Disney shows, like how that was like a huge thing of no Disney show could ever make it past 65 episodes. Because once you hit that, it was like, "Eh, it's in syndication. It's not worth filming anymore. Like, just just cut it off and do something else. Like, that was like a huge deal. And like, I think it was was like That's So Raven or something. They're like, it did 66 episodes. And people are like, oh, my God, they're filming shows for more than three seasons. Like, that's crazy. Now it's like, now it's like, I don't think we even want to get to three seasons. Thanks for the That's So Raven knowledge. Yeah, dropping some Disney Channel facts on you. (laughs) It used to be you had to have what was it i think you said i think you're right 50 was it no 100 episodes for syndication so you had to have 25 episodes a season and you had to have four seasons under your belt before you could have syndication in order to get that out there so it was a goal of every show to like do that like have 25 episodes a season and put that out like weekly and have that like readily available kind of thing and it was always there in circulation it's like now you get like 10 episodes of a series and then have to wait three years for the next fucking season to come out if it even will and it's like how do you support how do you give these things what they need to give them the growth because it seems like even if you do give them the things that they need for their growth as long as the network doesn't give a fuck about it and decides that they're just going to axe it they're just going to so it's not even like you have the ratings board to work off of or anything like that or like it's like, you know, you can leave this show, if you have a what Nielsen's box, it's like just leave the show running so you give it ratings and like let people know that you care about it and that kind of thing. Like there's not really a strong ability to do that. It's more about the subscription services. And- well, it's a probably a lot of things like Stranger Things is a prime example, the merchandising, and they're making a profit off of every single thing that they can sell. That's a lot of money coming in for Netflix, I'm sure for t-shirts mm-hmm. and toys and them throwing stranger things on old games and stuff like and that. Halloween horror nights and making attractions. And they've got so many yeah. like standalone exhibits now coming. Like they've got some like permanent stranger things coming. And you have to have a heavy pull of people interested in your product that you're making money off of it elsewhere. Because even that's a show that's like every two, three years is the next season. Yeah. And it's a terrible show kind of the middles where you're losing everything because it's almost like how Justin's saying it either has to be insane it's the same with any movie though it either has to be insanely profitable or it has to be getting like the greatest reviews of all time like something like Better Call Saul that I'm sure they don't make like you're saying they don't make money off that like not not that many people are like I'm gonna go buy a Saul action figure or Saul t-shirt I they do sell them but I totally would it's not the same as The Walking Dead like those are like the almost their two opposites of The Walking Dead gets by on it sells the crap out of so much merch merchandise that it doesn't matter if it gets like zero star reviews but then Saul's and Walking Dead is also a comic yeah Saul's on the other end of like it's not making that much money for them but it's so loved that they can they put that out as like their prestige thing is like this award-winning like 99% on Rotten Tomatoes show is you know we have that on our network yeah Uh, it's kind of similar the show Dark has that like mysterious time traveling plot and it went over three seasons and like they concluded it because that they, they, they needed to and they didn't want it to run any longer than it had to. And then those guys got a, a new show, 1899, and it was the same thing. It was like out for a week and then Netflix was like canceled. And it was like, all right, well, all these things are just left hanging. So I think for people like Moorhead and Benson that they would just that no one would stick with their shit if it was like a 10 hour episode of or 10 hour version of the endless it feels like almost that yeah it's like the film is like the safer option now than tv like because at least at least with film if you can put your two hour story out and be okay we we told our whole story but yeah it's like it's such a gamble now with tv of yeah you could do one season and they could just be like "Mm, we're not gonna let you finish it 
And I wonder in the process of the filmmaking, what these guys, maybe Chuck can answer this because he's watched behind the scenes things. What are they more interested in? Are they more interested in the story, the shots, the effects? Like, do they build a story around the effects? Because I could see that happening for Synchronic. I could see them thinking out the visuals before they actually worked out the story. It seems like they do come up with more with the. It might depend on the film, I guess. That like which what's like interesting them more than anything else. Like I know they talked about uh, for spring. They said like literally it was they wanted to set a film in Italy, and that whole the whole film takes place in Italy. And they said like they when they were like touring festivals, and they were like we came to like Cannes and Venice, and like we loved how beautiful this place looked. And they were like so let's set a movie that's like taking the history of Italy and like set a movie here. But then it sounded like for something like The Endless, it was they literally just got an idea for like, what would happen to those characters that were in that weird cult like 50, like 20 years later? Like, what would their lives be? And then I think for for Synchronic, that was they kind of continued that of because that's that's the only real connection that that film has is that the the thing that they use to make the drug is the same red plant that the people smoke in in uh, The Endless. And uh, there's another guy that like smokes it in Resolution. So it's like that's their that's their only real connection to that is is that it's the same drug that they're taking. That's the red apple cigarettes. Yeah, yeah, it's their <laughs> it's their it's their connecting thread there. But I think they are just interested in. I think they do just like to be overall filmmakers. I think they do like that challenge of being able to do everything and kind of come up with everything in the the effects. Right. Here's the screenplay. Here's our blueprint. Yeah, and like here's the storyboards. Like you said, how we're gonna work the effects into it. Yeah, and like they try to do. I know they try to do a lot of practical things, but then like there were other things that were interesting when they showed like how they did they practically make Anthony Mackie disappear. I mean, they kind of did. Like they that's there's not that's not blue screen. They actually just rotoscoped that entire set. It's not. It's the, like the set of him in the uh, in the house is not a blue screen. Are you serious? They just, they, yeah, they they like rotoscoped. They said the only. The only thing in that film that's a blue screen is the uh, the Antarctic like uh, caveman thing. That's the only thing that's totally one hundred percent a. It's so complicated. I actually really like when he's going to the Antarctic the second time, and it's just this really easy effect of like just snow inside of his apartment. It, yeah, I thought that was cool. So that's right. yeah, that's that that was like the only thing that was blue screen. Like they they showed in the in the behind the scenes, they like show like them doing it, and it was literally a guy had to like hand rotoscope out all of the elements like now his lamp disappears like now this disappears like it was all done by hand it wasn't a it wasn't filmed on a blue screen that's so that's so unnecessary but it looks better i guess it looks better than a than a green screen would i guess i guess their their level of they're willing to go kind of like that extra mile uh i know they did talk and like kind of talking about them getting more into like hollywood style productions uh they did describe like the difference between working on their lower budget films where it's just them. That's like a that's like a speedboat that I could turn on a dime. He's like working on this film is like the Titanic. Like if I want to go a different direction, oh, we're going to have to turn this whole ship around and it's going to take a week to get something changed. And like so I don't think they'll ever fully get out of that independent mindset because they they do sound like they still really appreciate that and kind of just being able to again just change something with no notice just being like you know what we're shooting this way today we're we're going to completely rewrite this whereas with this it's like it's like you're dealing more with like it's like oh the like we're dealing with like stars and like 
a whole huge crew that it's like it's like hey we want to actually want to change this location and it's like we can't be changing locations like that's gonna that's gonna mess with the budget like then we're gonna have to we're gonna have to pay this guy for an extra day we're gonna have to rebuild i just like thinking about anthony mackie showing up on set and he's like where's the blue screen and they're like oh don't worry about it david over there He's going to do it all by hand. <laughs> it's a guy sitting there with like a MacBook that's just like David's like, I'm going to what? <laughs> yeah. So that's that's the one thing that's that's where I think they never. Uh, yeah, I don't I don't think they'll let they'll they'll get sucked into doing these big productions. Like, I think I think they probably like it and it's a different challenge. But just from from everything that they talk about, it sounds like they still really appreciate the the freedom that doing these smaller movies allows them to kind of just do anything that they want or you know they change anything if they have to and be be a lot more like on the spot that's that's where i would say after after rewatching all of their films other than their their newest one uh which i hadn't previously seen some of their other ones i think i actually would say spring is probably my favorite out of all of their movies i really enjoy that film and i, pr- I might have picked that because of italy italy is great in that movie but there definitely is a different feeling to synchronic that and I don't, I think there is like that level of maybe again with like a story thing of they can't like, they couldn't make those changes that maybe even in the film, they might've said, you know, it actually would be more interesting to do this, but they were kind of told like, Hey, you have a schedule, like you can't be going over budget. Like, even though it's a, it's still like a, a relatively low budget film. Hey, there are the producers too. So maybe they're yeah. also like, we have to be tight with this or we're not going to get another job. Exactly. I have enjoyed their more independent films, even though they're more rough around the edges with even something like the endless that again, none of those guys are great actors. They're, they, they cast themselves in it but i do enjoy a lot of that movie even a little bit more than synchronic just because of that like kind of freedom that they had that you can clearly see like they had some crazy idea that i don't think a studio would have let them get away with doing something weird like this all right one thing i thought was interesting with this movie was that it had a really unusual color palette um it's all pink and red and orange it's like predominant colors all throughout the film everything's got this like pink red orange quality to it and i was like it kind of feels almost like they shot the entire movie with those orange colored street lights you know what i mean like all the sets and everything have like this lighting quality to them like it all just is coming off of that like weird orange halogenic street light that everybody is like kind of used to seeing and stuff and it gives the it, it lights the movie really interesting and I, I, it makes me kind of feel like the drug makes things like pink and kind of red and whatever. Like I thought that was a neat kind of quality to it. I think like in some of the time periods, even when he goes back to like, he's a lot of fire and stuff like that to keep that like orange kind yeah, of yeah. orangey reddish hue to everything. I, I really liked the color palette of this movie. It was really pleasing. And then with that soft filter that he puts over everything with the dream effect, it's just like, really soft and very pink and very red and orange. And it's an interesting palette for the film, but it also did that same thing to me, like where the color palette was. I also thought that we were heading into more demonic kind of areas because those oranges and reds and stuff like that, the pinks, they all kind of evoke that like hell kind of quality to you. Maybe time travel is hell. Maybe that's, maybe that's what they're trying to tell us. Uh, it certainly never seems pleasant. Let's put it that way. <laughs> Even the Jules Verne time travel story is not pleasant. Well, I mean, science fiction is usually fuck around and find out. Yeah. That's usually yeah. trying yeah. to teach a the lesson about why, yeah, why you shouldn't be. They should make that movie. Just call it "Fuck Around and Find Out." <laughs> That's their next film. 
No, their next film is There's Something in the Closet. Going back to this movie, the very end where he travels to this night 1815 or wherever you said and he he finds the girl and he gives her a pill his last pill and he makes it back to the spot or she makes it back to the spot so she's able to go back to regular time and uh he gets stuck but there's like this interesting tease where he shakes hands with jamie dorden who's the father of this girl and his best friend and the fact that, like, it chooses not to show him fade away, like, he lasts for a seemingly long time without fading away, makes me feel like the ambiguous idea is that, that they could possibly save him somehow. It would probably, like you said, Chuck, involve that flower. I mean, we know the pill's gone, but I feel like there sh- there could be some sort of alternative. So when you have the couple years between, did you say the first one's resolution? Yeah resolution in the endless maybe there could be a synchronic sequel down the road yeah Yeah. but i asked that question earlier i said like what is it exactly like is he caught between times is that a way you can come back and interact with him like can he stand in that same spot and still no it's called an ambiguous ending yeah this whole film's kind of ambiguous in a lot of ways we have some ideas we didn't flesh them out super well but like the meat of our films like totally interesting and worth watching and so if you want this really fun kind of rapid fire experience, because it moves really quickly for what it is, um, the, like the start drags with the, the doctor, like the ambulance stuff. But then like when you get to like the middle, it just like rapid fires real quick. So it, it's kind of like you just got to leave a lot at the door going into it. But if you want some like really solid gore effects and some really neat like visuals and some great stuff and with that no, Is we want a story. Because he's a great actor. I really liked him. He was the best part of the movie. Uh, I thought Jamie Dorden was pretty good, too, except for when he revealed or was told about Anthony Mackie's cancer. His reaction was, like, so stiff and weird where he, like, yeah. stopped walking and was, like, just, like, it was, like, the one scene where I'm, like, did he have terrible direction or something? Because <laughs> he was fine for the, for the rest of the movie. And that was the only thing where I'm, like, he doesn't come off as very authentic in this moment. Uh, maybe he's supposed to be worrying about his daughter or something, but it just it fell real flat where he's like, what? You have what? How long did you know? Yeah, I mean, if they do, and then if they do do another movie, they only have so much time before they can probably get save him since he has to get his, his uh, cancer treatment. Well, and he's a black man trapped in the 1800s. Maybe he's not. Maybe he's stuck between time now. <laughs> There's more roles that have to be explored. I mean, he's there longer than the dog. Like the dog, like the ghost version of the dog was only right. there for like a, a second, which most things were. Well, that's because the white supremacists took him away. They're like, oh, free dog. I mean, I didn't see if there was. I turned it off. But that would be great if there was a post credit scene of like what happened to that dog. I really do want to know. That's the sequel. It's all about that dog. Next week, we are doing Lexi's movie, which is... Bullet Ballet. It's a Japanese movie about a gentleman who tries to acquire a gun in Japan and the difficulties that he faces acquiring said gun. Probably should live in America. Right. And he only is trying to get, like I think, like a thirty-eight. It's not even like a big gun. Directed by the same person who did Tetsuo the Iron Man. So it has that rapid fire, black and white, super disjointed Japanese filmmaking style it's one of my favorite movies 
It was one of my favorite movies that I discovered when I was in my college days, just burning through Japanese cinema, like early Japanese cinema from the 90s and early 2000s, that Takashi Miike early era kind of stuff. It's always stuck with me. I love these like rapid fire black and white Japanese movies. They're really fun. I'm interested in talking about that. I've only seen Tetsuo 1 and 2 from him, so I'm interested to see more of his films. Oh, he's great. He's one of my favorite directors. You're going to have to go crazy. You got like a week tops to watch everything. Got to crank in a few days. You know what? Most of his movies are like, I mean, Tesla the Iron Man's an hour. They're very short. Yeah, they're very fast. Yeah. Justin, I think you will like this one. No, I don't think so. It's more grounded in reality than his other films. But I think like with the kind of Japanese cinema that you tend to like, I think you'll like this one. We'll see. I don't know how I feel about Japanese cinema. Yeah. Yeah, he hates it. Yeah, I can't stand it. Especially samurai movies. Yeah, or anything with a gun. Yeah, and he really hates Godzilla. Can't stand that shit. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next week. Bye! Oh, thanks for listening. That's Chuck. (laughs) Oh, thank you for listening. (laughs) We are Cinema de More. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter to stay up to date with news and information on upcoming episodes. Find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Podbean, Spotify, Amazon Music, Audible, Pandora, Alexa, or iHeartRadio. It would be greatly appreciated if you subscribe to our podcast on your platform of choice. We also appreciate feedback, so rate us, review us, and let us know what you think. And above all else, thank you for listening.